Okay, so today we're starting a new message series entitled More Than a Baby. And the big idea of this series that we're going to look at in December, you might want to write this down, is the story of Jesus doesn't begin in the manger. It doesn't start in the manger. Now, we, we love Christmas, and one of the reasons we love Christmas is because it, it is such a great story, right? It's about this baby and the poor family he's born into, and about this long journey to Bethlehem and and how on the night Jesus was born, there's no room in the inn, and, and the angels appear, and the, and the shepherds hear the praises, and then they go and they see the baby Jesus and their sheep, and then the wise men show up with all these presents, and there's the little drummer boy, and, and then there's Rudolph with his nose so bright providing light to baby Jesus, and, and there's sleigh bells, and, and people dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows. You think I lost focus there for a little while? And, and isn't it true that we lose focus at Christmas? That we can think that Christmas is all about the baby and we forget. Jesus is so much more than a baby. We're going to look at the four components of Jesus' life. And these four components talk about the breadth of his life and his work. And the four components are Jesus who was before is, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Supreme, and Jesus the coming victor. Those four components of his life. So today we start with Jesus was before is. What do we mean by that? Very simply, before there was ever time, before there was ever matter, before there was ever energy in the universe, Jesus existed. Now, we're going to go deep today with some things about God that are important to know, but can be hard to understand. So I want you to hold on while we go deep, because these are important things to know about Jesus. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, so if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're just going to look at three verses today, but these are three of the richest verses in the New Testament. Starting in verse 15, starting in verse 15, this is the story. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So what does that mean? Well, let's start with the phrase, the invisible God. God is a spiritual being. He is not bound by time or space. Now, just to blow your mind for a minute, God can simultaneously exist right now with us and simultaneously be present with Abraham as he is leaving his home in Haran and making a journey to the land that God will show him. Simultaneously, God can be present in the future at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Is everybody's mind blown already? Okay, God's not bound by physical realities, which means it can be hard for us to understand who he is. So absent a picture, we tend to create our own image of God. Without a picture, we create our own image of God. You see this in the history of the world's religions. Um, Islam worships Allah. Allah greatly resembles an Arabian warlord. Absent a picture, people create God in their own image. The ancient gods in Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Norse mythology, even in modern Hinduism, you will notice that their gods tend to 
resemble superhuman beings. Shintoism, which is the worship of ancestors, so prominent in places like China and Japan, absent an image of God, they have decided to make their ancestors their gods. So I want you to think about how much we need a picture of God. Maybe to help you with this, this is one of the most famous pictures in the world. This was taken December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1968, by the Apollo 8 astronauts. It's called Earthrise. It is a picture of the Earth rising above the horizon of the moon. The Apollo 8 astronauts were the very first people to ever see this. Does that mean it had never happened before? No, it had been happening all the way from the beginning of the Earth and the moon. And in fact, only 16 people have ever actually seen this with their own eyes. But we can all understand it. Why? We've got a picture. We've got a picture. Now, let's go back to the first part of the verse. The sun is the image, the picture of the invisible God. The Greek word here means it is a true representation. It's not that Jesus is sort of like God. It means when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. Everything you need to know about God, you'll find in Jesus. Now, just think with me about this. We say, well, who is God like and what is he like? Every story about Jesus in the Gospels tells you something about God. Jesus is born in a manger. What does that tell you about God? He's pretty humble. You think it's hard to be humble when you're God? Think with me about Jesus calming the storm. What, what does that tell you about God? God's in charge of nature. There's no storm that scares him. Think about Jesus welcoming the children. What does that tell you about God? It tells me that, that Jesus welcomes you, even if everybody else rejects you. Think with me about Jesus healing the leper. What does that teach you? That all the people that everybody says is untouchable, Jesus says, I'm not afraid. Think about Jesus turning the tables over in the temple. What does that teach you about God? Teaches me he gets angry when people put his name on things that he doesn't approve of. Think about Jesus dying on the cross. What does that teach you about God? Oh, you know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And think about the resurrection. What does that tell you about God? Tells me... <laughs> that death doesn't get the last word, God does. Now, there's another really big idea in this first verse. Jesus is referred to as the firstborn of all creation. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus was created. When the word firstborn is used anywhere in the Bible, it's talking about precedence, or it's what comes first. And so before there was anything in the world, before the world existed, Jesus was. So Jesus was before anything is. This is so important. It answers the question that science cannot answer. See, science will tell us that there was this dark ball of matter, and then there was an explosion, and that's how everything came to be. And I'm not here to argue about your theories of creation. I'm just telling you, before whatever was the beginning, Jesus already was. 
Now, there's a second aspect of this that we don't get because we live in a modern era, but in the ancient world, there was the law of primogenitor, which meant the eldest son inherited the bulk of his father's estate. Now, you say, well, that's not fair. It was an honor to inherit the majority of your father's estate, but there was also a purpose behind it. The reason you inherited the majority of your father's estate was so that you could take care of your father when he was no longer able to take care of himself. You could take care of your mother, your siblings, so that you could take care of that family unit. In fact, you actually would have legal authority when you came of age to act on your father's behalf. Why does this matter? When Jesus was dying on the cross, he had the legal authority to make payment for our sins. The authority from his father in heaven. Now, there's another implication of this. I told you, this is, there's a lot of stuff in just a few words here. Here's the implication. When God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, decided to create the universe, did they know that it wouldn't work out according to plan? Yes. Because they're able to exist outside of time. Which meant, meant they created this perfect universe and they knew that human beings would mess it up. They knew human beings would cause trouble. Let me just do a quick check. Those of you who are parents, how many of you who are parents found your kids to cause you trouble? Okay, don't point, just raise your hand, okay? I actually looked this up. The average child... And the average American family, it costs $233,610 to get them from birth to age 18. That's a lot of money. And that doesn't count college. That doesn't count the cost of when they move back in with you. And if you've got girls, that doesn't count the cost of the wedding. Now, I thought about this. I thought about this. What if... Somebody here came up to me after the service and said, Pastor Clay, ooh, those are big numbers you threw out today. I haven't told anybody this, but I've got a time machine out in my garage. I'm going to offer you the chance to go back to 1988, and you don't have to have kids. You can bank three quarters of a million dollars. And I tell you what, just to make it interesting, I'll throw in another million. Pastor Clay, you'll, you'll, if you just don't have any kids, $1.75 million goes to you. Are you game? What would I tell that person? Would I tell them yes or no? No. no. <laughs> You're right, I would tell them no. Now, I know, see, because I, I saw a couple of you kind of hesitate and think, well, <laughs> of course I would tell them no. Of course I would tell them no. Because even though my children have been trouble, and my, listen, my children are great, but yeah, we've had our moments. I love them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anything for them. And you know I'm a deeply flawed person. And me, being a deeply flawed person, if I can love my children that much, how much more does your heavenly Father, how much more does Jesus Christ love you that they knew that you would create trouble and they went ahead and made the universe anyway? Isn't this rich? We've only done one verse. Let's go to the next verse, verse 16. For in him, 
all things were created. Things in earth and on, uh, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, Paul's still driving home his point. And the point is, Jesus was before is. And listen carefully. We expect Paul to say, for by him all things were made. And of course that's true, but that's not what Paul says. For in him all things were created. What is, what's, what's Paul trying to tell us? Before the world was ever made, Jesus Christ was big enough to hold all the universe. The theologian Ario White said this, only in Jesus is there an environment for creation to exist. My wife is a therapist, and one of the things she, she has shared with me, which I think really is insightful, is that a therapist must be strong enough to hold the chaos that walks into his or her office. Makes sense. You know, most scientists believe the universe began with a Big Bang. That's the theory. Just waiting to see if anybody gets the joke, but nobody did. Okay, Big Bang Theory. We need to up the caffeine content of the coffee today. Okay, so most scientists believe that the world became, that the universe came into existence out of the Big Bang. It's called the Big Bang Theory. Um, and, and they theorized that there was this ball of matter and it was very dense and it just existed. And then something at the subatomic level, now they're theorizing that it was a quark, which is a subatomic particle, began to move and that set off the Big Bang explosion. So there's a couple of thoughts here. Number one, where'd the matter come from? Who made the matter? And number two, who started the movement? The most logical explanation is God. But that was chaos. Explosions are chaos. I, I, a retired science teacher left out of the first service and said to me, most people don't understand how amazing it is that order came out of all that chaos because of entropy. It would tend to stay chaotic, but God brought order. And most people don't realize how hard that is. Pastor Clay, do you realize how hard that is? I said, yes. I understand how hard it is to bring chaos out of order. I'm a Baptist preacher. <laughs> Listen to how the book of Genesis opens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Do you hear how this unfolds? That God makes things, and it starts with chaos, and now the Spirit of God is moving and bringing order to all the chaos. Only God is strong enough to hold the chaos of the beginning of creation. But remember what Paul is saying. This is not generic God, this is Jesus. For in him, all things are made. Now there's more. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Nothing exists that has not been created by Jesus, whether we're talking about the physical realm or the spiritual realm. Everything on earth, everything in heaven. In heaven, 
all the angels created by Jesus. All the demons who are fallen angels created by Jesus. Satan created by Jesus. By the way, go back and read the temptations of Jesus. This puts a whole different spin on it. And people debate exactly about how it happened. But the universe shows evidence of a design. That means there is a designer and his name is Jesus. Now, I just think, I think about my own brain. Do y'all think about your own brain sometimes? I, I just think about this. I think about how right now I am talking to you. I'm not even looking at the page. I've got some notes written here, but I've kind of know which way I'm going. I know direction. Words are forming, and I'm not even have to think to tell my tongue to move so that I can articulate these words. That's amazing, isn't it? And at the same time I'm talking to you, I'm also paying attention to you. I'm actually, I know which ones of you are paying attention. I know which ones of you are actually listening. I know some, I can tell, some of you are off in your own world. You're going through your Christmas live. I can, you're kind of looking at the wall. You're just up. And I can tell which ones of you are asleep. Because your heads are back, your mouths are open. It's kind of obvious. And look, I'm not that smart. And all of that is just going on inside my head. Isn't that amazing? That is why David wrote this in Psalm 139. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a miracle of creation. Do you know that? And, and then just take a minute and just think about everything that Jesus made. You realize an octopus has nine brains? That whales and porpoises can talk to each other? That they have a language? That my favorite animal, the cow, has four stomachs. Now, now when Jesus was creating all this, do you think he was doing it just kind of, all right, I'll make a cow, got four stomachs. No! I think Jesus was having fun. Don't you? I'm going to make an octopus. I'm going to give him nine brains. People can't handle nine brains. They can't handle one. I'll give the octopus the extra brains. I'm going to help whales communicate with other whales across miles of water. Porpoises talk to each other because they can communicate, and maybe human beings will learn something from them. I am going to give a cow four stomachs so they can digest all kinds of things and grow steak. Isn't that amazing? And I'm not going to give human beings but one stomach because they can't even handle that much. I think Jesus had fun. Now, I know some of you are still hung up on that whole thing. You're going, wait a minute, but if Jesus made all things, why did he make Satan? Oh. Why did Jesus let Hitler rule? Why did Jesus let Jeffrey Epstein get all this money and buy all these teenage girls and do horrible things? I'm going to give you the answer. We don't know. We don't know. Yes, we know that God created people to have free will. Satan willfully rebelled against Jesus. We know that Hitler, of his own free will, became an evil person. We know, same thing with Epstein and, and his girlfriend who's on trial right now. But why did Jesus allow all this? Why did he let it go on so long? That we don't know. And this is where faith steps in. See, when I cannot understand his plan... I will trust his hand. And this is why a personal relationship matters so much, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because the better you know him, the more you're taking next steps with Jesus, the more you'll be able to trust him. 
the connection will be stronger. Uh, when Gina and I first started dating, I was kind of an insecure guy. And so we would be holding hands. And if she took her hand away, I went into panic mode. What does that mean? Does she not love me? Does she not like me? Is she mad at me? Am I the only guy who ever thought these things? Apparently I am. Okay, I got one guy over here who's nodding a little bit. Okay, so, but you know, I'm just like, oh, what does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, now we've been married 35 and a half years and if Gina takes her hand away from mine when we're holding hands, what does that mean? It means I'm 6'1", and she's 5'1", and she's tired of holding her hand up like this so that she can hold my hand. See, the longer you have a relationship with someone, the deeper the trust you can have with them. That's why following Jesus every day matters. Now, all of this points to something else, and I need to touch on this. And that is our God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean there's three gods. There is one God. He exists as three people. What does that mean? We call it the Trinity. Well, what it means is that's how God relates to himself. And it's very hard to understand, but that shouldn't surprise us. Most of us don't even know how to relate to ourselves, and we're just one person. And every illustration we try to make of the Trinity kind of fails because this is the mystery of God. But here's the point. The first Jesus followers, first Christians, were all Jewish. Jews radically believed there was one God. How big a leap was it for them to say, no, now we have seen Jesus. He is God in the flesh. The only way that explains their mindset shift was they had experienced Jesus. And whatever is hard for you to understand about God and about his creation, the answer is seek him first. Build your relationship with him. Go to him and even say, I don't understand. I don't know why I'm in this pain. I don't know why I got cancer. I don't know why my marriage busted up. I don't know why I was in that accident. I don't know why I'm having all these many troubles. But I trust that you are the God who cares for me. Are you beginning to get the idea that there's a whole lot more to Jesus than just this little baby in a manger? And there's one more phrase we've got to consider in this verse. All things have been created through him and for him. So this is a powerful summary of the first two verses that we've looked at. All things have been created through him. He is the agent of creation. But here's the last part. It's kind of interesting. All creation is for him. I cannot wait till Christmas. I don't care what I get. I really don't. I can get a stocking full of coal, wouldn't bother me, because my grandson is going to be there. Now, I promised I was not going to be one of these preachers once he had a grandchild who would talk about the grandchild incessantly. Well, I want you to know I'm breaking that promise. <laughs> and I just can't wait. And we, his Gigi and Papa, we are buying him lots of stuff. And I know his parents say, you're going to spoil him. We don't have room in our house for that much. Tough because I just want to see the joy on his face. 
I just want to see him enjoy being abundantly, lavishly loved. And I think that's what it means when it says that all things have been created for him. Don't you know that every time someone who has a broken life, a life torn up by sin, comes to Jesus, there is joy? That Jesus goes, yes. Every time someone, one of his children, gets it right, every time one of us actually loves our enemy, every time we do good to those who hurt us, every time we turn the other cheek, every time we say no to lust, every time we say no to hate, every time we say no to greed, don't you know Jesus goes, yes. Don't you know that every time his people come together as a church and we go out as a movement for him and we're able to build ramps and build homes and and share good news with those far from Jesus, don't you know every time we do that, Jesus goes, yes, all things have been created for him. And to every one of you that is broken, every one of you that feels so saddled with shame, every one of you who feels like you're not good enough for God, I've got good news for you. The thing that will bring the most joy to Jesus is you coming and saying, please forgive me. And it brings joy to him to forgive you and welcome you into his family. All right, one more verse to go. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now again, first part of this verse drives home everything we've been talking about. That Jesus was before is. He is before all things. Before there was ever anything made, Jesus existed. But why is Paul finding it necessary to repeat it so much? Because I think Paul knew the temptation would be for us only to think about Jesus as a human being on earth for 33 years. Instead of realizing this baby in a manger is actually our creator who has left the the spiritual realm and taking on the very shell of a human body, fully man, fully God, to experience life as we know it and to pay for our sins. But there's a last phrase here, really important. In him, all things hold together. Boy, now this has a big application and a small application. Let's go big first. Uh, Football season, uh, it's coming to a close. Uh, But I want you to think about football games. I know a lot of you watch football. Uh, Every football game always has the guy, the quarterback drops back to pass, he passes, and then the receiver, the ball is right in his hands. And what does he do? He drops it. Right? He drops it. And this, the, the, the guys calling the game, the sportscasters, they always say the same thing. Oh, he should have caught that pass. He took his eye off the ball. What would happen if Jesus took his eye off the ball? What would happen if Jesus said, I am tired of fueling the stars. I am tired of making the planet spin. I need a break. I don't know where Jesus would go on vacation, but let's just say he takes a break. What would happen? All the light and the stars would burn out. All the laws of physics would be suspended. All life would stop. Aren't you glad Jesus never goes on a break? 
But there's a smaller part of this. You ever felt like your life was coming apart? Anybody here ever had an old truck and left pieces on the road behind you? Some of you, that's the way life feels sometimes, right? And you just wonder how many more pieces you can lose before you can't go anymore. I want to bring you some really good news. Jesus can hold you. The one who holds the universe can hold you. So what do we do with all this? If you're a Jesus follower, I really want to challenge you, kneel at the manger and marvel that your creator came from you. Marvel that your creator came for you. See, at Christmas, I think there is so much temptation to get lost in the busyness, the decorating, got to buy gifts. And some of you, I know your lives are not that busy, but still, you can get caught up in all the sappy music and all the myths that come up around Christmas. I want you just to, every day before Christmas, 20 days, take a moment a minute, five minutes, and just think about Jesus and worship him. So when you see a pretty sunset, you go, wow, Jesus, you made that. And then you also love me. And and I could just go on and on. Now, if you're not a believer, you know, what do you do with all this? I've laid out for you the Christian understanding of who Jesus is. But here's the part I want you to get. Maybe you're skeptical, but what if it's all true? What if it really is true that creation is not a random accident, that Jesus really is the designer and creator? And what if that same Jesus loves you so much that he has come to die for your sins? What if it's all true? How would it change your life? It would, wouldn't it? And maybe... The only way you'll ever find out is if you try it, to actually follow Jesus. So will you? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we are amazed at Jesus, at all that he made, and then that he came to to redeem us. For those, Father, who've not yet taken that next step, I pray that today they accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. I pray too, Father, for those of us who follow Jesus, that we would kneel at his manger and worship our Creator. Help us remember that all of this Christmas. It's in his name we pray. Amen.